Hey everyone, welcome back to Neuropod. Um, I'm excited for this episode because for this episode we're going to do something similar like we did last time with Byron. Um, I'm brought, I brought on uh, Jake who I interned with at Marathon Petroleum in Robinson, Illinois. And um, we had a good four months together work, working on some different projects and uh, we're tucked away in the co-op cave and sometimes going out to the refinery plant. Uh, but it was a lot of fun and Jake's really interested in a bunch of different technology and learning about like what the future might hold. So um, I thought it would be cool to just have a conversation with him and share it with everybody. So um, yeah, thanks for coming on, Jake. Awesome, thanks Ryan, appreciate the invite, man. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, so I guess we could just start with like, what uh, what do you know about Neuralink and um, what do you think about it and what do you think are some of the good and bad about it? Totally. Yeah, so um, I think, I don't know if I was introduced to Neuralink uh, as early as, as you were, but I, I remember the concept was when I listened to Elon Musk's like first uh, interview on Rogan, where he it basically stated his idea for this this company for like this brain machine interface and i instantly was like what the hell is this guy talking <laughs> about it just completely like i don't know intrigued and and just uh i don't know i was just like like a sense of curiosity about like what that meant and what he was working on because um just been interested in elon musk in general for a lot of his career in the last most recent years and then like when he brought up that topic it was I don't know it just stood out to me as something completely off the wall that I've, I've never heard of before so like probably at that interview I don't know when that was like mid 2019 or something um yeah, where he, he he you know Elon Musk gave his uh typical like hey in three months I'm gonna have a, a state like a, a reveal Mm -hmm. But in, in typical fashion, it was a little more like a, a year, just over a year until like more information followed, you know, like pretty high profile, um, like public data where there was more information about it. So like probably between the being on Joe Rogan's podcast and then like all of his public statements was, were like my main um, impressions of, of what was actually going on with the technology. And then the most recent one, obviously, being like the full demonstration. I think that was streamed through like CNET um, of like that official, like, hey, here's the technology we've been working on for the past two years. Um, here's like a public demonstration of what our goals are for the company and like where we're going to move that forward. And so, yeah, that's essentially what my understanding of it is. And then like way I interpreted that of having a brain machine connect so like a, a machine device connected to a computer connected to a bio biological brain was uh like oh this opportunity is just endless i mean when you connect that to understanding of the current machine learning algor algorithms and like social media and any sort of new technology that's using that and then to have an interface with something as complex as the human brain um it just like made my initial thoughts go to like the endless spectrum of like the high the crazy conspiracy theories of like you know what's going to happen to us as humans as a species and you know kind of getting on the philosophical side of like well is this ethical you know is you know some of those questions were like stemming in, inside of me when when i initially uh actually got to understand what what the company was about so that was my initial thoughts and then like you know with the official public demonstration you know where it kind of brought it back down to reality um to me a little bit of like hey you know that all of this stuff is definitely possible and will likely be possible which we'll probably get into later in this conversation mm -hmm. it's more like hey let's take it back a little bit about of like these crazy theories about uh, what's going to happen and our initial focus is, hey, let's, let's, uh, I don't know, remember how they exactly presented it, but let's um, help like 
current cognitive disabilities within the human brain. And, and that was like, okay, well, this is like a really cool medical opportunity of advancement. And, and that was like, okay, well, this is more interesting because it's, it's not so much theoretical as it brought it back down to reality. And it's like, all right, hey, this is, now we're merging a lot of all of these industries together in the near future where we're going to see machine learning, technology, medical, all of these things are going to like converge with this technology is what I see the potential as. And that's just going to elevate everything from here on out <laughs> because it's going to be a new baseline for, for everything. It's like, well, how are we going to incorporate this into every other industry now? And how are we going to just completely push society to, to the next step. Um, so yeah, in summary, I think it's going to be like the next stage of evolution for, for us as a species and then us uh, as a society to understand how to cope with, with this technology advancement in such a rapid amount of time and the scale of humanity. And I think like, I don't know, the one tweet from Elon Musk where like he posted out the mission statement Mm -hmm. of, of Neuralink where it's like hey he can't beat him join him uh -huh. um was really interesting and I, and I I like that thought because obviously uh pre-2018 I think any public statement that he had on artificial intelligence or synthetic intelligence was pretty critical of the people who were leading that um advancement and I don't know if it was like a a lack of a respect for like what he thought they were going to do with the technology, but almost seemed like, hey, let me take charge of some of these this technology advancement and let me be the leader of it to lead mm -hmm. it in a way that what I think is an ethical direction and something that we can manage on a scale. So, yeah, I think that Elon Musk is the person where, I don't know, I trust a lot of what he proposes <laughs> a good thing or bad thing i don't know but i think i mean you compare it to what he stated on mark zuckerberg and facebook's um involvement in ai uh and there's a lot of distrust with that with you know mark zuckerberg in general on just security and data analysis and i mean and data analysis of the human brain is like <laughs> the most sensitive data know, that there yeah. can be in in anything so yeah it's super interesting and like you said there it, there's a lot of pros and there's a lot of potential cons that can come with it if uh people aren't aren't ready for that mm -hmm. that was a long answer i don't know if that <laughs> was a lot no, of rambling cool. but yeah. yeah um no i think that's a good answer um and like with elon uh i thought it was really interesting that his primary motivation is like you're talking about is is basically that artificial intelligence poses a significant threat to human the human species and i guess i personally don't really buy into it that much but um obviously he's very concerned about it and there's so many different famous or knowledgeable or i don't know wealthy uh people that, and and then just regular everyday citizens too who are different levels of education um that have totally differing viewpoints you know and it's like they're on both sides of whether they think artificial intelligence is going to be net beneficial to society or net um not not beneficial and so um yeah i think like the point that you're talking about with now helping uh any brain disorders that's like a huge application for Neuralink. And to me, that's the thing that's most exciting. And so um, I'm curious, like, what you think are potential applications after uh, working with like the brain disorders? Yeah, I mean, I guess they yeah, could apply sure. to artificial intelligence, but could also be like any, any application. Oh my God. Um... And that's, so yeah, I think that, like you said, the brain disorders and those disabilities are, I don't know if that's most exciting to me. It's, 
that's, I don't know that's a bad thing to say, but that's like definitely, I mean, that is a net positive. That's, that is the only thing that can, can come out of that. If you're using that data analysis to, to help people's lives for the better, that can only be the outcome in that sort of study and application, I think, which is good. And I just think that once we get to that stage of actually being able to process neurons to a data set uh, on like a computational level and actually treat dysfunctions and body movements that are disabilities or anything in general where the brain is critical in those sort of tasks, that that is just going to give us a level of understanding of the brain that <laughs> will be will truly be endless because um, we don't have the understanding of neurons and that's going to lead down the discussion of so so of pursuing philosophy and science and engineering all in the same thing of like all right hey what's the study of consciousness now and, and what's the study of free will or, or is all of this just a cause and effect from your experience in life and what you've seen and had conversations with you're indirectly not knowing that you're referencing these things of making decisions and then that's how your life plays out just based off actions that you've been a part of and you're you know so if you're not really having a free will decision making it's more of like uh, this is just kind of the state of path because of the causes that happened to you as a human so if you can actually process and understand that i think that that is where people are scared of the technology because you then you can come to like what elon said it's like hey you know we can just download memories we can save memories and then once that happens then what's stopping you from downloading a consciousness or uploading the consciousness or then just in theory creating a consciousness because we know how it works so so if you understand how it works then you should be able to recreate it on a completely synthetic level and then we're going to have to have the the discussion as a society of like so what is qualifying as a human <laughs> yeah. and and that's what's pretty crazy to me where it's like all right hey now that we've understood the brain we've copied this over to a, a computer data set and now we're going to recreate that same sort of movement completely with the computer and now you're going to have to pose the question of like well if we can develop consciousness then shouldn't that consciousness count as all the same rights as a human um and you're gonna it's gonna just tread the lines of what is ethical and, and what is just a tool <laughs> because yeah. it's, you know the medical application is a tool to help people and then you're going to reach a curve i think where it's it's more than that and then then you just get into like the theories of what that means you know are we is that going to be our perspective of what extraterrestrial travel is um you know we're going to send our memories or our consciousness through a data platform through satellites you know and we don't even have to have a biological travel you know we're just gonna send oh, our dang. consciousness somewhere else and then that's how we're going to travel outside of the planet i don't know there's like I, yeah. I don't know if that made sense in my when i said it out but that was some things that were running through my head of like hey this is endless and and then i don't know yeah i think that there's going to, to unravel a lot of things when you, we start to understand the brain totally yeah like the i think um what they're building right now is basically the fundamental building blocks for what's going to propel us to the next stage and yeah. um and so like you're bringing up points that i ha had never thought about which <laughs> is like it's actually yeah it's really interesting to think about because it'd basically be like if we can imagine ourselves having like two two identical brains and then one of them just like gets sent off like out external to our body yeah and then like one of them stays in us and so like 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess there there's just so many different ways that you could run with that, that yeah, idea. And, yeah, for sure. And then like, is there now is that two separate consciousnesses or are they one and the same where it's connected to your still your biological body, but you're having this out of body experience with something yeah. that's on the other side of the planet or not even on the same world anymore where you know these experiences with this other data consciousness that's you know in just a completely in a computer but it's same connected to the same neural link that's in your brain and you're perceiving these experiences that are not even happening in your body dude that is crazy to think about <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and like I don't, I mean, obviously that's extremely theoretical at this point, just because mm -hmm. of the unknowns with the current stage. But I also think that there is a lot of understanding that Neuralink probably has already uncovered that they just haven't publicly released of because, I mean, obviously what they released with their study on pigs and animals um, in the demonstration, uh, I feel like they already knew a lot of this back in early 2019 when Elon Musk started, you know, hinting at this idea. And now that they've been like, so now we're already two years behind of what was probably happening then. And I'm just kind of curious of like, what's already happening behind the scenes that isn't publicly released yet of future applications. But obviously, you know, they're not doing any human testing until they get that, the regulation figured out of managing data and and human testing mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think um so i think one thing that i that you mentioned at the very beginning that i kind of want to circle back to is talking about the the overall like efficiency of power that a human brain uses versus like the current neural nets that are out there and current like machine learning applications that are out there. Okay. So like, for example, I think I just saw this in a Jeff Bezos interview. Like Jeff was talking about how humans can learn how to drive a car, like with relatively very little input and yeah. very little training. However, a car, the way we're currently doing machine learning requires tons of energy and tons of data. And so, there's obviously some fundamental difference with how the brain is learning. And so to me, I think it's really going to be fascinating to see how Neuralink progresses moving from what they're currently doing with machine learning and just taking on like tons and tons of data and then eventually streamlining that so that it's more efficient and they're able to connect different Neuralinks to different people <laughs> and like find different applications that are more power efficient. Yeah, that's that's interesting because the way I interpreted interpreted it was that the way we use machine learning now for um, anything, you know, trends of human habits online, so social media, uh, Tesla, you know, autopilot, um, driving, self-driving, those applications. I my impression was that like they would treat that with understanding the brain. Like we're just going, it's going to take so much data from their brain until we're actually at a replicative state. So I interpret it like, but I didn't think of like, you know, if you're in the brain neurons that you're going to be able to get so much data so fast. I figured, I, you know, mm -hmm. I, I interpret it like, hey, you know, you're going to actually have to study each individual person that they're doing testing on for an extreme amount of time. But yeah, I didn't think about if you have, um, that connection to the brain that they will learn in different ways. <laughs> I didn't think of that. That's interesting. Then like it would just expedite that machine learning and give machine learning a whole nother ability than what it currently has and be able to process data in a way that's way more efficient. I didn't think of that. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, so um, I guess like just, just to like jump jump back again uh, to like your your other point with um, like having consciousness like basically having another consciousness uh, <laughs> external to your body um, like it's almost like that's not even different from 
somebody who's like time traveling, right? Like if yeah. I could, you know, like if you or I could be in like one location right now and then like a millisecond later, we're somewhere else or yeah. even, even like a day later, you know, if we're like on the other side of the world and then we're experiencing something totally different and then yeah. we go back to where we were, it's like, all right, we basically have like two different consciousnesses. Yeah. But, uh, but you're, you know, seem like you said, in that short amount of time frame, you'll be downloading and uploading. If you want to have that connection to your biological brain, you, <laughs> yeah, which is insane. You, you just, you know, you could have an experience and then have multiple experiences at the exact same time and then connect that information back to your brain. And then you would act like, you know, you would remember it as if you were there physically in your body, even though it was an out of body experience. Which is, which is kind of an interesting, like, um, I don't know, like personal question, I guess, like, would you want that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, would I want to be the first human trial to get a Neuralink? I don't, I don't know about <laughs> that one. Okay. But, but I mean, yeah, why, why wouldn't you? I, is my perception if like if the technology is there and we everybody accepts it as being you know it's not going to like destroy your brain (laughs) and and like kill you or something um yeah of course like why not have the maximum because there's there's too much to learn in this world where or and learn and see that you can't even get to in a lifetime so if you can make that more efficient, um, what, why not? And have that enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I'm the same, I guess, like just to play devil's advocate, um, there's this thinking, or I guess I've thought previously that like our lives are basically all of our experiences and then the replayed memories of those experiences. And yeah. also like the, experiences and memories that other people have that include us and like okay, yeah that's basically our whole life yeah your life is boiled down to what you remember and then also your impact on other people's lives exactly is this how you make your impact on on the world or anything around you mm-hmm. so then it's like it's good and I, I think it's net good to have like good and bad experiences and then also have like good and bad experiences put on other people. Obviously, like on the whole, you don't want like a bunch of bad, but yeah. like it's just, it's just kind of like part of human human life. Like you you end up growing from it, you know. And like if you have like one bad experience, then you you kind of like I don't know. It's like it's so cool to like grow from that and then not do that again. So then it's almost like, okay, if, if we had the chance to implant all these different memories and different experiences, but we never actually went through them, then it kind of feels like phony. Yeah. And I actually, it's funny. I had the same conversation with a couple of my friends yesterday, uh, where like, you know, they are similar to what you and Byron were talking about, where it's like, you guys were saying like how you don't know a lot of people that are Mm -hmm. even theorizing about or have an introduction level of this company and it was like and like my friends are the same way they're like what do you i don't know anything about what you're talking about that you know you just sound like you're talking science fiction (laughs) and and i said like you know what if you could just up like right now i'm studying studying portuguese uh um in my so like what if you could just upload portuguese to your brain and i would be 100 percent fluent in that language in a matter of, of a second. I just download the file for the entire Portuguese language and then put it in my ability to, to have a conversation and I'd be 100% fluent without even practicing. And then, then they were like, well, doesn't that take any sort of art away from that learning ability? And you know, like you take, you take pride and that you know you set time aside on a daily basis you know 20 minutes a day 30 minutes a day you're going to study this language and then over the course of one to two years you know you work your way to becoming fluent and like you have that experience and that journey along the way 
does that take away um, the, I don't know, it's, it parts the word, or like you, you lose all of that work ethic to get your goal. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you don't appreciate things as much anymore. And I was like, I don't know. I had a hard time seeing like why that was a bad thing because 200 years ago, um, I was like made the argument of like when they first created the, you know, the Model T or the first vehicle, mm -hmm. people were probably passionate that they had this horse that they raised for 14 years. You know, it was like their partner that trans, you know, that helped get them to play places. And, you know, like, well, now we're losing that sort of connection with this mm -hmm. animal because of this machine. And it's like mm -hmm. kind of, I kind of equated it to like the same thing. It's like you always segments in time, you could make that argument where like they didn't want to change towards something that would make them li their lives easier. But ultimately, it became the norm to what we're living in today's world. So I think eventually it's got to be the norm of some capacity. But I don't know. It's hard to comprehend like everybody knowing everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, and that sort of theory, it's like, what, so if everybody does everything then what how is society even going to work because mm -hmm. um, if you can fix the brain and know its problems with a machine uh, like a symbiotic relationship then you know what what's making us human anymore at that point and i don't know yeah. <laughs> I, it's hard to it's hard to think of like what we would turn into as a species yeah yeah it's like literally the next evolution phase. Yeah. And, um, but I think, I think your comparison to like the Model T is, is such a good one. And, and that's what I was thinking about too. Not, not that specific example, obviously, but um, when you were bringing up that example, I was thinking of other instances, just like in general, where there's been technological progression. And overall, like eventually we're like totally okay with it. And we can we can find plenty of other ways to allocate our effort. Yeah. And so, like, if it's <laughs> good. Sorry, I didn't mean it. But yeah, but like, um, yeah, that's like a hundred percent what it, it's going to boil down to. Like, we're going to need to focus our time towards like what you're interested in. But if that happens, then it's like you don't have a a stable. You don't like the way the economy works now. You know, we we need people to work their time and then make a set salary, you know, put pay into taxes. And then, you know, you had the cycle of, of getting paid for your time and then you giving back to like the society in general or whatever government or whatever country you live in. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, yeah, you'd, I think what would have to come with that is like a complete, even like a, a, a standard government structure wouldn't work with that philosophy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So yeah. Yeah, the entire world idea and outlook and the way it's ran right now just wouldn't work, um, right. which is hard to fathom if this is going to be like a multi-decade or a, you know, a couple centuries away to think like, hey, we're just going to have to scrap these current policies or these current, the way the economy works. It's just, it's just non-existent anymore because humans aren't paying taxes anymore because they don't need to work and like um i don't even know what that would look like to have to make that structure work for humanity mm -hmm. uh because if you're not getting paid like or it boils down to a capitalist society with barter bartering you know goods and services <laughs> like what how does how does that sustain and how does that hold up when you just have machines around you doing everything for you Mm -hmm. yeah there are so many different implications and like one of them that i was thinking about that um i think i saw this from mark cuban he mentioned that there should be like assuming okay so like right now he believes that china is ahead of the u.s in terms of artificial intelligence and programming like robots for manufacturing and stuff like that okay. and so his idea was we tax the robots, like per, we have a per robot tax on the corporation. And then that basically, uh, that, that helps us innovate quicker. Was yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that right now. 
that makes a hundred percent sense. Be but because we're still going to have humans running those corporations, and so in like the long term, say like that entire corporation. So mm -hmm. <laughs> what if that corporation becomes non-existent? Like what if that manufacturing process that they're that they're developing just isn't needed anymore with the new lifestyle that humans have created for themselves. So like, yeah. what are we going to tax? Like if we, if we are now living in the cloud, each individual person is building their own virtual reality. You know, we're, we're essentially say you're in a matrix state, everybody's moved towards the matrix. Like how is that stable when <laughs> those corporations are just being ran by machines to create other machines and they're getting taxed for things that humans aren't even doing anymore. <laughs> right. Because, because everybody's just living in a virtual, their own reality that they created themselves. That's like not in a physical world anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a tough thought experiment because like, <laughs> it's like I could foresee it happening, but I think the transition phase is gonna take a while. And so yeah. like, hundred percent and like I just hope that it doesn't I mean it's either we're going to understand like you know this obviously it's gonna be a slow progression of time this is not gonna be like we're gonna wake up tomorrow and we're like mm -hmm. gonna be in the matrix um or going to be in this completely synthetic symbiotic relationship of with artificial intelligence and and, com and a computer system it's gonna be gradual just like any other technology but <laughs> it's either you learn to cope with it as you go and we get on top of it or it's going to lead to a collapse. Right. And right. like, it's just not going to be sustainable. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'm, um, so I'm curious, like what you think, uh, it like assuming this happened, then what do you think Elon Musk would do if he were, like one of the people living in that society. You know what I mean? Because like, obviously he's super ambitious and yeah. we know that like what he would do today is like outrageous. And so if he was living in a society like that, well, somebody with his ambition would probably want to do something. And yeah, I'm curious like what you think he would do. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I mean, what, I think what Elon is good at with his companies is he's just, I mean, he's extremely, I think, experienced and extremely smart engineer when it comes down to it. I mean, mm -hmm. he has a ton of ideas, but he's not just an idea man. He puts it to pen to paper and solves the problems that he thinks of as well. But he yeah. also has, I think, a lot of people on his team. And I, does, is, is Elon Musk, you know, the person who would figure out the political issues that would come with that? I don't know. I think that he would find people who are maybe smarter or an understanding of an economic scale to like build himself around them to like develop that plan. I don't know if necessarily he would put together that policy or some, you know, who'd find people that make sense with an agenda. But I think also his agenda isn't a selfish reason either. I don't think, mm -hmm. I don't see him as a billionaire who's just trying to become a, you know, a more rich billionaire. It's like, I seriously think that he has ideas. Then <laughs> has that burden of ideas where it's like hey he's he's extremely smart and he puts tasks in front of himself where he has every possibility in the world just to coast you know with his current businesses but he's still pursuing different ventures that uh in his in his mind is is a progression of society for the better so i think it's a, his ability to put team members around him to help bring that idea and technology because it's you know it's just one person who doesn't have enough time so it's like will we build another team to help stabilize the economy uh i think that's what probably happened i don't know that's that's an extremely difficult question to think about <laughs> and plus i don't know him on a personal level either <laughs> sure sure yeah true
I mean, it's going to be interesting because I think he, he kind of has the ability to, to choose some things with like Mars, you know, like he, it's not like he's going to create every single policy, but I mean, it's kind of in limbo, whether (laughs) the U S or China or whoever (laughs) is going to like own territory in Mars. So I guess hence the space force. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's, but it's like how, I mean, like the current government isn't like good at creating new policies for something that we don't understand it as a society. I mean, like they, like for instance, when drones started becoming mainstream like three years ago and the drone industry was taking off, the FAA got in and was like made all these crazy regulations realistic for drone operation. Um, or is it just because like, hey, we, we don't know, we don't really know how to manage this yet with like this mass scale of flying objects going everywhere. So we're just going to regulate the crap out of it because we don't know how to manage it for this government. And that's like the unfortunate fear of probably what's going to delay this technology is is you know, it's either you're going to have a ton of regulation that's going to hold it back from progressing a ton, or you're going to have current government. And also, I don't know if I locked you or not. You're freezing a little bit. Hey, yeah. Uh, do you mind repeating like the last portion? Yeah. So. I don't know how much you got, but it was, I said, I think that either government policies are ahead of the curve where they get scared or they don't do anything because they don't appreciate how much it's going to change society. So the, you're either going, you're, the regulation is going to slow down the progression or there's going to be no regulation and it's going to get out of hand and we're not going to know how to handle um, that technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you have experience with that probably firsthand with like the drones stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, because okay. I went out and got, had my drone license. So it's like you have to go out and get a, a pilot's license to fly, uh, oh, wow. <laughs> fly a drone uh, commercially. But it's like, it's just this little tool <laughs> that flies itself. I mean, you yeah. take it off and it's just a little race car that, you know, but and like the commercial drones that you can buy right now, they essentially fly themselves. So all you need to do is go up and point it in the direction you want to go. And that's it. It's like, do I need a pilot's license to do this? Yeah. Wow. Huh. I, I mean, I could, I, I, yeah, I can see that that would be like the case. And then I imagine like that sim- similar situation is going to be applicable to so many new technologies that come about, like you're saying. Yeah. It, I, I want to get what your thoughts are. So I, I just finished like this documentary last night, uh, The Social Dilemma. Have you heard of that? Um, I feel like the name sounds familiar, but I don't exactly remember. Okay. Well, it's, it's, it's uh, in summary, it's, it's a group of technologists and engineers who have been a part of building social media for the past decade. And they have either since quit or are like they've, like rotated their entire platform to like giving awareness out of like their social media because there's no regulation on it and like how they think it's destroying society of hey there's so many net positives that come with social media but without regulation and like these massive massive companies just mining our data um and selling it and then like also creating machine learning algorithms that create echo chambers within Mm. like your perception of what your reality is so like once you get into like a thought process and then you go online and then you look up that one thing and then like youtube and facebook just continue to push push that same narrative over and over like until you get deeper and deeper down that hole where it's like it just creates that divide of like this person thinks completely different than me and like now they're the enemy and like um that's a huge i don't know i i i it's hard for me to comprehend too because i don't look at social media like that and i i am very self-aware of like when i feel like i'm being manipulated (laughs) 
<laughs> by the algorithm is like when I can see like stuff being pushed to me unnaturally. But as as we were like discussing earlier, machine when machine learning gets to be so good, how are we going to distinguish between what's naturally I'm consuming or what's being pushed to me with somebody's agenda? And like how do we trust that these companies that are in charge of these this technology to have a good agenda with mm -hmm. what's being pushed to me? And and we're not going to understand if we're in an echo chamber <laughs> of what we're consuming. And because it's just like, this is normal to me. I think this is normal, but like, is it? Or is this just what the algorithm is telling me is normal? And I'm now after being on YouTube for 10 years, am I consuming this data because I want to, or am I now consuming this data because over the past 10 years of consuming, it's pushed me to change what I'm interested in. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Which it's, could end up happening like similar with like Neuralink. Yeah, 100%. That's like when I watch it, that's exactly what I thought was like. So if we start understanding this data that, of our brain, we started learning and we adjust machine learning to the brain ability, um, it's going to tread that line of what's a natural process versus like is somebody feeding an agenda to me without me knowing mm -hmm. and i'm just like turning I'm, I'm i am growing and learning but not in a way that i would naturally i'm learning i'm learning in the way that somebody wants me to learn right who yeah that's it's a tough line because like in some situations like it's it's a good thing. Like people should be trying to convince others of what they think is right. And so, but then it's like, okay, where's that information coming from? And is it from somebody who's reliable, trustworthy, stuff like that? Yeah. Like <laughs> who would be trustworthy of that data? That is, I mean, that's the power of, of, of humanity <laughs> that you would have in your hands and you would be single-handedly uh, deciding which direction you are sending 7 billion people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that's like a, that's a legitimate concern for Neuralink. Um, I'm curious if you, if you're thinking of like any other uh, concerns for Neuralink moving forward. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just hope that like there's an open relationship with what's happening. Um, whether that be, I mean, I don't know if I have a distrust for the government, but um, I think at least have some sort of open source um, information string with like, hey, the government's understanding what's happening, the public's understanding what's happening, and like things aren't happening behind the curtain that might be treading that unethical progression. And, and like, yeah, that's just a concern. Whereas, you know, you have a ton of, you ha if you have a team of like Neuralink's like maybe what, only a hundred employees now. Um, yeah. If you, if that company continues to grow and there's like tens of thousands of employees, like what their goal is, um, how can you share that among all of those employees and and be able to give confidential information to these employees that they're going to use it for a net good? Whereas I think you can tr control it relatively easy with such a small number of employees. Then, you know, like you think that they're, they have 100% good intentions. But when you start multiplying that number of employees who get exposed to how things work, um, will those intentions be, or will that information be taken or stolen and for a bad intention? <laughs> mm -hmm. A person who has ill intent. And I think that is a, a potential threat um, if this technology gets in poor hands. I mean, it, it's a, it can be used as a, as a, as a weapon for sure. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's a, that's a legitimate concern. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, like how companies currently deal with this today, you know, because like a company like Facebook, for example, they obviously deal with security issues and data privacy concerns. And sometimes they're legitimate and sometimes they're not. And then uh, there are well, other companies. There sorry. are other companies like Tesla 
too with like the the autopilot and self-driving functionality like if there was a bad actor in the company i like i'm trying to think about um who who one person could be that might be able to wreak havoc on this on the entire fleet and it's probably not going to be one person but like you're saying i mean if if there's like several people who are wanting to do one thing or they just think differently and they think like one alternative is different compared to what all the other 10,000 employees think yeah. then maybe they can all just join together and be like hey like this is a targeted attack on this day we're going to make everybody <laughs> think what we want them to think uh, yeah uh yeah i don't know that's it's hard to comprehend but i mean like i like we said earlier it's like i think right now just the possibilities are endless and and i can only hope that that information is being shared uh among with the right people to to make those executive decisions and and that it is and that they're staying ethical because i'm not 100 percent sure that in the comparison to social media that um that that management of data is 100 percent ethical um and that, and like we're talking on two different scales like all right we're this is their browsing history mm -hmm. and their their uh their habits online but now we're completely going off the grid of like now we're under you know this is their biological habits this is completely internal and not external at all but we're making internal activities external data so mm -hmm um i there's two different levels of like that of importance to me i think an online presence might be here but it can lead to really bad outcomes but like the level of outcome is a, is probably a lot worse when you're talking with an internal data like your brain mm -hmm. yeah well, i guess what what is for that same question back to you um who's been pretty involved on researching this topic like what are the like most immediate concerns that you would see foresee in the future um yeah that's a good question i think i think probably like physical safety so like there's there's been a lot of talk about like hermetic packaging and making sure that uh like the materials that they're using are um I don't know the exact terminology that they use, but it's like it has to it has to interact with the brains, um, not in a bad way, and not cause like a bad reaction. And so, like figuring out the right blend of materials to help like uh, transfer the data, and then send the send the the spikes and the signals, like it's going to be really really tough and to get like good seals on those like i think that, yeah. that's going to be a real like engineering problem yeah for sure i mean we have a hard time with having metal in our mouth with braces <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good yeah it's true and so like obviously like th this is on a level too that we can't even really see in in a lot of cases so the, yeah like, like how to make sure your body doesn't reject it yeah, as, exactly. a, as like it like gets uh see it as something that's attacking you um and like mm -hmm. completely rejecting what they're trying to do with the brain yeah exactly and then like and then also you said not even just re your body rejecting it but like in that process of rejecting um some reaction happening where it <laughs> like crashes the brain or something like that yeah yeah and then also like the whole connection to like connection with bluetooth to the phone i think there's so many different things that just from an engineering technical perspective it'll be really difficult to overcome some of these challenges it's not necessarily that they're going to be legitimate like negative issues or concerns but it's more like all right how do they how do they overcome these challenges like yeah it's gonna be really tough yeah and and like that's just going to happen with the progression it would be it'd be awesome to like see the complete inside 
<laughs> right of like what's being worked on and how they're evaluating those concerns because mm-hmm. it's i mean you compare it you can compare it to like any technology like i'm looking at my my iphone 10 beside me you know mm-hmm. and that was over the course of when the first iphone came out 2007 yeah, yeah. Like so that. like how far that device has come to try to manage those issues like similar issues but like you said the consequence when you're actually interfering with like a biology or like human brains like that consequence isn't just like the phone malfunctioning (laughs) yeah it's definitely got to be a lot more complicated but yeah like a progression of like advancement but how do you make that progression of advancement while testing on humans Right, right, yeah. Which I think, fortunately, like I, I'm really curious uh, how much the pigs are really, in fact, similar to humans, because they were saying like there are there are some similarities, um, but like obviously that testing is not going to be the exact same as testing in humans. So hopefully, like the first human trials will be with people who have severe brain disorders that can't be helped in other ways. Mm-hmm. And then we test on them and then they're able to have like pretty good outcomes. And then over time, like those improve a little bit. And then by the time they get to people who are, um, who don't have like brain disorders, who are doing like elective procedures, I hope, I hope by that time, like things are pretty well established and they have solutions to some of these engineering challenges and stuff. Yeah. Um, curious like let's see how much time we have okay um do you have any any other thoughts about like elon and general i mean we can talk about like spacex <laughs> tesla too like yeah what do you think about <laughs> elon in general <laughs> my, my main thought on him is like how how does this this guy have have this much on his plate at once like yeah. balancing his ideas his you know his engineering like where he's actually part of the engineering teams of solving problems with all of these companies you know it's like tesla spacex the boring company um as all of that stuff it's 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 hard for me to fathom like how his brain works and to be able to like yeah i'm just going to go start this company because i have the resources to and i have the knowledge basis to start building that team up and like yeah let's just go with it <laughs> and they're like and then Neuralink is like on another level again of like here's Tesla's SpaceX and and the board company and this is on a whole other level but he's just like yeah let's just keep going forward with it and that's it's a unique human to do that you know like I'm balancing such minute tasks <laughs> in know, my yeah, like life saying, yeah <laughs> where it's like yeah okay i gotta go edit a video tonight or i'm, I'm gonna <laughs> go salt i'm gonna go do some sour analysis on a river it's yeah like not even on the same scale and so yeah it would be just to have a conversation with him to see try to get an, a first-hand experience on the way he sees the world and I know you get glimpses of like some of those more long form interviews with Rogan or like some other people that he's done interviews with on YouTube. You get a glimpse of that, but I don't think that I would even be able to understand how how he works as a human. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because he just seems extremely smart. And then he has time to just be a freaking goofball on Twitter <laughs> yeah. and post memes at the same time. So yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Um, if you had a bowl, you're perception of Elon down to like just a few sentences like how would you describe it um yeah like inspiring and um I I like that people have caught on and he's been willing to share and just like continue sharing that he boils down things to first principles and he really looks at like the fundamental concepts that drive anything and i think like that way of thinking is so powerful and it's not always seen with like everybody you know yeah like if people were able to boil down things to like the very fundamental like principles 
uh, I think a lot more things would progress quickly. Yeah, people would find a commonality and then have a quick grasp of understanding, you know, like you mm -hmm. wouldn't have a conversation. It's like, ah, it's over my head. And then you're like, you know, I'm going back to my normal tasks. I'm just going to not even comprehend what was just said to me. Um, but like bringing it down to a level of for like initial um, conversation based, people would be like more, I think, like you said, apprehensive or not apprehensive, but like understanding mm -hmm. of what is trying to be conveyed. And then be like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. So I can like now move, work my way up to the next step of understanding. Mm -hmm. And yeah, totally. And like, that's what Elon does, right? He just drives innovation. I mean, he, he makes people want to innovate. <laughs> yeah. And that's a, it's a unique trait in itself um, where he inspires people with his ability to manage these companies. And then it makes people who have a, maybe a similar skill set or any sort of skill set be like, what the heck am I complaining about? Like this dude's doing all of this shit and is crazy good at it. Like, why don't I start doing something that matters, you know? And like, I think he pushes that out of a lot of people and probably does on his direct teams within his companies. Yeah. Yeah. Could not agree more. Like he was, he was talking on Twitter um, like a week ago or so. And he's also mentioned this previously, but he was like, Tesla is basically, it should be thought of as like tw a dozen different startups. And I think that's true, at least with what I've seen. And then I assume it's got to be true with like SpaceX too. But like yeah. all these different projects, he, like you're saying, like he's, he's sitting in and involved on technical meetings for like autopilot, um, like design of the, the thermal systems in the car, like design of the manufacturing capabilities on the line, like the charging infrastructure. I mean, just like so many different things he's a part of and to be able to like sort through all those things in your brain and then switch to different tasks throughout the week yeah. is like unbelievable. Yeah. And I don't know if you, there's also another article, I think somebody interviewed Bill Gates recently mm -hmm. and they're like, Hey, would people are calling Elon Musk like the new Steve Jobs. Mm -hmm. I saw that. And he was like, what are you talking about? Like, no, <laughs> yeah. he's not Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, you know, he thought of really good ideas and just, like, pushed people. And, like, Elon Musk has has the same ideas, but then he just feels like, I'm going to go fucking do it yeah. <laughs> myself. I'm going to, me and two other engineers are going to hash this out for the next 24 hours and then figure out these new problems. And, like, yeah. it, it's hard to make that comparison. It's, like, completely on another level. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more. Like, disrespectful to Elon. <laughs> like, I am not going to say it, but... Dude, because, like, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, the, the, the tough thing is that, like, if, if I tried to create a phone or, like, motivate a team to create a phone, it'd be, like, it, like obviously would flop. So then, it's like, all right. Everybody knows that already, though. So then... Yeah, but then like on a relative scale, like if I'm gonna create a car that's like incredibly computerized yeah. and tech packed, and then have a phone that's like also tech packed. Well, like yeah, I think it's really difficult, especially because like the phone came before. So then like the amount of other tech that had advanced to that point yeah. when they created the iPhone, it must have been like totally different than like today so like i think that part is is pretty inspiring and like i, I mean i gotta believe it was tough to do but <laughs> phone versus car car seems like way harder yeah and then uh, then you take that to the same comparison to a, a brain machine computer interface <laughs> yeah it's like okay this is a completely another level too <laughs> yeah yeah so, um, I, I mean, you've been a Tesla fan since I've known you. Um, you, were, you were definitely ahead of the curve <laughs> on that one. I mean, you, I, when like, we first met, you were like, you're 100% like Tesla's it. Tesla's like pushing the future as, you know, two interns working for, <laughs> for an oil company. <laughs> um, 
And you know, I didn't like have too much of an understanding of Deadpool at that point, you know, because it wasn't mainstream. I mean, it was just starting to get mainstream, I think I would probably say. Mm-hmm. And like, it still doesn't, I mean, 2020 doesn't get a lot of respect from other industries as being a serious competitor to to the gasoline engine and, and conventional vehicles, which I think is insane. Um, like, because all that it ultimately comes down to is, in my opinion, is like if if the if the demand is there, and if the consumers can have a competitive price for a quality product, that's all that that's all that matters. And if they can buy a quality product for the same fucking price as a Chevy um, Bolt, that kind of is probably lesser quality. They're gonna or a hundred percent is a lesser quality. They're gonna be like, screw it. I mean, the price is that much closer i'm just going to go with the tesla that is a way better product and it once that shift starts to happen i don't think that will be very gradual i think that will happen pretty quick once once they are in like a true competitive state Mm -hmm. yeah there's been talk about too like um elon's uh foreshadowed this like model two or so to speak it's like a made in china model two um, it's really, it really doesn't have a name, but that's what people have given the name. That's what the name has been given. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, it's, it's going to be like a compact car um, that doesn't have like as much functionality as maybe a Model 3 does, but it should be like a, a much more significantly lower price point. And then like if they were to be able to produce that on a massive scale, and bring the price significantly down and it's nearly fully autonomous and they do that in China and in the United States, assuming like nobody else is at a like competitive, nobody else has a competitive product. It's like, all right, game over for sure. Yeah. And yeah, which is inspiring in itself as a sentiment without it even happening yet. Right. People should strive to try to like, if they're at the verge of, you know, um, pushing a, a, a complete market sector, like that's an inspiring story of, <laughs> of, of triumph of beating the conventional norm. Yeah. Um, which is huge and shouldn't be taken lightly. Yeah. And then like with, with SpaceX, like I, I think, 50 years from now, it'll be like, like, we'll all look back and be like, okay, that was, that was crazy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, or I guess I like, to me, the craziest thing is that like 50 years ago, we were further ahead in space than we are today by sun metrics. Yeah. So, and like people were more inspired about what we were going to do in space than like people were about five years ago. Yeah. So then that's like absolutely absurd. Yeah, and, the, <laughs> and then the fact of like them collaborating with NASA now is like mm-hmm. it's awesome that's like what you that's what you want right just like complete yeah. collaboration among the scales like hey if you're going to progress this um you know let's, let's work together on this as and then there was a I don't sorry I, I'm like the last launch that they went into space there was another company involved too right or like oh um I don't follow SpaceX that closely but um for some reason i feel like you're right yeah i can't i can't remember and i apologize to no, okay. <laughs> but, yeah. you would know that but like yeah i mean like yeah just like hey in a sense you know you're in a competitive market and you have every incentive to like not collaborate on some being a, a rocket launch but but, uh, but, but they did, which is really great. Mm-hmm. Well, um, do you have any, any closing thoughts on like Elon or any of his ventures or uh, Neuralink? Um, I don't know. Like my closing thoughts are definitely let's just got to keep following it. Right. Um, be, be under, like on top of, of like, tracking what's happening and just uh seeing what's that going to do society 
and like I think us as just individuals or people who are not exactly uh, involved firsthand um you know what you're doing with neuropods awesome of like helping other people get exposed to it at a level that they might not be able to or you know you can consume it in a in an episodic basis of hey you know here it is here it is today then also it'll be interesting to like you know you look back at maybe your first episode six months from now you'd be like holy shit that's crazy like what's changed in six months yeah um, so yeah i think just following it in general and like you having conversations like this with people that you surround yourself with is helps just uh make these topics more mainstream and then who knows maybe it will inspire somebody to join that team right and they're like oh shit i'm uh a neuroscientist or you know i don't really know much about that field but like screw it you know i'm a I want to go be involved with that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like one person at a time is like slow progression, but hopefully, yeah. Like I, I've been hoping to um, try to get like experts on the brain, yeah. you know, like people who have like many, many years of experience with any one particular thing. So it might be like medical robotics um, or or like brain machine interfaces or uh, chip design or what, like whatever the technology is. But if they're an expert, I, I'm really hoping to like get them on and just interview them to get to know like, all right, how feasible is this? Like what, what Neuralink's talking about. Yeah, that would definitely bring it back to a perspective of, of realism with somebody who's been in the field with the expertise. Where you know, I think I'm a civil engineer with very short time working in in the industry um, you know what am I going to bring to the table firsthand of, <laughs> of that experience well yeah but I mean uh, the, like the reason too for like having having these discussions is just to to like get people interested like you're saying and yeah. so hopefully hopefully these types of conversations will show people that it's like all right this is a relatable thing that anybody can learn about you yeah. know it's like <laughs> yeah, totally. especially i mean like i i have no no domain expertise and <laughs> hopefully it will grow over time because i i'm just like so interested in it but yeah which people should be because um right it's gonna be a part of of our lives more than likely i mean within our lifetime it will mm -hmm. impact us probably firsthand which is which is crazy to think about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, thanks for coming on the the episode, and um, hopefully we can do this again. And then maybe if we do, like, um, we'll just ask like really targeted questions that are uh, that are about like a specific topic. Yeah. Of course, man. Yeah. I hope I didn't uh, ramble too much on any response, but uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. it nice chat with you again. Awesome. Okay, um, thanks Jake. For sure, man. Talk to you later. Okay. Yeah.